0: i was like okay if we're gonna if we're gonna do this like we're gonna really do it and like i really want people to know that like you can get after the shows pre-show post-show even if you're just like on your way from you know queens down to lower east or whatever like you can stop off in midtown and find us for well executed cocktails run by people that like truly give a shit about what they're doing you know
1: Welcome to So This One Shift, a conversational series brought to you by Decoding Cocktails, featuring people from around the drinks and hospitality industry, sharing stories with a friend, colleague, or acquaintance. With any luck, we'll get to listen in on some hilarious and heartwarming tales, along with the moments that shape our lives and work. Learn more about the show, our guests, how to submit your own conversation, and subscribe at sowthisoneshift.com. Welcome back, everybody, for the second episode of Sow This One Shift. Unlike our inaugural conversation, which took place between two good friends, Amanda Gunderson and Keo O'Brien, today's episode is actually going to feature two people who met just a few minutes before recording. While there is a great conversation in store for you, I again want to thank everybody for putting their trust in me uh, with this new project. It means a lot. So today you're going to hear from Ryan Maybe and Marshall Manaya. Ryan founded the Speakeasy Style Bar Manifesto in Kansas City in 2009, and it really helped catalyze Kansas City's cocktail scene. He's also the founder of J Rieger & Co., a distillery in Kansas City. And if you haven't uh, heard the full story of how uh, the distillery came to life, I highly recommend it. You can probably find it in a lot of places. Ryan and I have spoken before, and I'll link out to that conversation because it's a really fun one. Marshall Manaya is the beverage director for two, but soon to be three programs in Midtown Manhattan. Madam George, Valerie, and Lolita is coming later this year. It uh, didn't take them long to fall into a whole host of fun things to listen in on, like what they look for in employees, uh, the time Ryan dared to name drop at the uh, infamous bar Milk and Honey, despite it being one of its published rules, what the Nomad Hotel taught each of them separately about how to run their own businesses. And, you know, despite the fact that work is still never easy, uh, Ryan takes a minute to recount all the resources we have at our disposal today compared to when he got his start back in 1999. So uh, sit back and enjoy this conversation between Marshall and Ryan. Do
0: you want to
2: lead off your intro? Um. Yeah. I guess I can do that. Um. So my name's Ryan. Maybe I. Uh, um. I'm a bartender. Uh. Although I don't really bartend so much anymore. Uh. Last night I, I worked a one hour shift. Uh. At at Bartonic and that was hot and sweaty and fun. Um. But, you know, I I mean my background is as a bartender. That's how I started and everything. But uh, opened up my own bar in, uh, 2009, like a little craft cocktail speakeasy style bar in Kansas City. That's where I'm from. Uh, a year later opened a restaurant right above it in the same building, which happened to be an historic, uh, old hotel building in Kansas city, about a hundred years old. And as I was researching the history of that building, I discovered that the owner of it, the one person that built it in 1915 had a whiskey distillery in Kansas city under the same name. And I didn't even know that existed because it died with prohibition in 1919. And so suddenly I'm like working on the concept for this restaurant and, uh, there's a, this, strong historic connection to a whiskey brand. And so I decided to like build that into the concept and then ultimately resurrect, uh, the whiskey brand, which is Jay Rieger and company. And that kind of fast forwards us to today, you know, 14, 15 years later. Um, but yeah, so we have Jay Rieger and
0: company, uh, a distillery in Kansas city, Missouri. And how's that, uh, like 14, 15 years seems so much further along than i thought i remember i listened to you on the the decoding cocktails Mm -hmm. podcast and yeah um i feel like that was like the perfect thing to do is to like right like it's like the only option right at that point to see that it's building there and
2: right so it's funny people say well did you always want to open a distillery or start a whiskey brand?" like absolutely not like it never occurred to me that was never a part of the plan i couldn't see anything beyond my bar you know like most of us if we're you know, bartenders, chefs, you know, kind of in that, um, like, creative aspect of the hospitality industry. We just, we want to have our own place, you know, where we can create our, you know, our environment and and everything. Um, I couldn't see anything past that, but once the the fact that there was this old whiskey brand from Kansas City that died with Prohibition, you know, once that became, you know, apparent to me, it was like, it, it literally felt like, you an obligation. Like, yeah, I have to bring it back. That's how I. Like, I how can would, I not?
0: I would be like, this is, this is it. This is the yeah. only option. Yeah,
2: it's uh, so it's kind of crazy. It's uh, um, I, I I talk a lot about like goal setting, right? And you know, I I believe in setting a lot of goals, but um, I don't necessarily put too much emphasis on achieving them because sometimes the process will take you in a new direction if that makes sense. You know, sometimes like in the process of working towards something, you don't realize that you're supposed to be doing this other thing that you find out along the way. And so, I mean, my bar, you know, did great. Manifesto was very successful and a wonderful place that uh, sadly is no longer there, but it made it like 12 years, you know, and then COVID was uh, kind of the final nail in the coffin. Um, But, you know, if it weren't for that, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have this
0: amazing historic Kansas city whiskey brand. I feel like that's, also how we like all got here no you know what i mean like it's like i started bartending when i was i was living in mechanicsburg pennsylvania small town right outside harrisburg pa Mm -hmm. and it was like uh i just thought like bartending would be cool you know what i mean like to be behind the bar and it's like yeah i don't know to what level of just like i guess being the one that people would come to i guess and so in like the community college that i was going to there when I was, like, 19, I took, like, a a class that was, like, run by um, a woman that owned two bars in Harrisburg. And mm-hmm. uh, so, like, I did that as, like, my... And it wasn't even, like, in a small town they convince you that you have to have, like, a certificate to be able to bartend. Mm-hmm. Um, this was literally just, like, a Fun Facts 101. We watched, like, Dale DeGroff videos. <laughs> and <laughs> right. uh, And then we did, like, our final, like, behind her bar in Harrisburg. And then... Yeah, I mean, like, cut two. I did a little bit of uh, bartending. This is after, like, I started washing dishes when I was, like, 13. And I've just, like, been in it since. But moved to New York with, like, bigger aspirations of, you know, screens and et cetera. And then just started, like, I I actually started, I booked a gig where I was, like, shooting a commercial. And we were shooting the West Village. And uh, we were outside of a restaurant. And I was like, I know somebody that works here. Mm -hmm. And it was like all I could focus on at that point. I was like, let me just see if she could get me a job there. You know what I mean? Like, oddly enough, as I'm like doing something that I like thought I really, really wanted to do. And then, um, yeah, so she like got me an interview uh, with the GM and he's like, do you have New York City experience? And I was like, nah, like, you know, moved here a year ago. and, uh, so I just, I was like, I'll bartend. No, I'll serve. No, I'll bar back. No. And he was like, you could bus. And I was like, absolutely. And I just like started there, you know what I mean? Like back yeah. all over again. And, uh, yeah, like just, I don't know. I like became obsessed. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just like a very small wine program very small cocktails but everybody that was doing it was really cared about what they were doing mm-hmm. you know what I mean and it was like so yeah I just like I would go back to like and my time off like into the coffee shop and research what rum is what gin is what yeah. where these wines are produced and the grape varietals and whatever and then yeah just kind of shot up from there from bar back to bartender pretty quick to then I wanted to create a cocktail. And like, then I didn't want to overstep and be putting cocktails on someone else's menu. So then I just like kept asking about the next spot, next spot. And then yeah, I had bartender to, you know, etc. And now I run two beverage programs working on a third in the city. It's amazing. Um, I think it's
2: it's it's really great. Um, you know, when you see that initial like hunger um, and enthusiasm for our industry and our and and our business where it's like yeah it didn't matter what job he yeah. offered you you know it's like you're going to bust tables like yeah. whatever you know what i mean like absolutely 100% and like no hesitation you know uh, to me that shows that shows such a tremendous amount of ambition and also passion for what we do and enthusiasm for what we do and it you know i've i've come across people like that as well former employees where I remember one guy in particular um, he moved to Kansas City and he refused literally refused to work anywhere but Manifesto yeah. my bar like he he insisted on interviewing with me I wasn't hiring anyone it was such a small team like we only had six people yeah you know tiny little bar and I I didn't need anyone at the time but he would not take no for an answer and I remember sitting in the interview first off I asked him I said well what do you want to do and he was young you know he yeah. was like 21 22 so, like, what do you want to do? And he goes, I want to open the best bar in the world. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, that's, that's a big, <laughs> big goal. You got to start somewhere. And, you know, I was like, look, man, I, you know, I, I appreciate your drive, but I, I just don't have anything. He goes, I will literally clean the bathrooms with a tooth, toothbrush to work at Manifesto. And I'm like all right, I'm going to figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause when you see that like type of determination and commitment, you know, that's rare. Yeah. You know, and especially in our industry where it's like, it's just so hardcore and not everybody, you know, is cut out for, you know, a life in, in hospitality.
0: Yeah. You know? um,
2: 100%. But it's, it's awesome. So it's not surprising to see that you've gone the same path. He now owns his own bar. Oh, no like, way. Just like, just like he said he would. Yeah. You know, and I'm so proud of him and I continue to be, you know, a mentor to him and we keep in touch and, doing great and so it's not surprising at all to hear you know similar story from you that you're like you know that's
0: how i started and now i'm i've got my own bars my own businesses running a program you know yeah it's awesome do you uh, it's funny you meant you mentioned mentorship because like chris and i were talking about this yesterday and i think it's such a it's such like a large part of our industry especially with like the names you know what i mean that people will throw like Mm -hmm. oh yeah like uh, Julie Reiner was my mentor or uh, yeah. Southern Teague or Jim Meehan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously everyone that comes from the Petrosky family. Uh, but it's like, he asked me, he's like, who was, who was your mentor? Like, who would you want to? And I was like, I didn't like literally not that nobody taught me anything. Cause that wouldn't be true at all. But I didn't have somebody like that. That was just kind of like locked in. Like mm-hmm. I literally just met these like incredibly hardworking bartenders and and barbacks that were like they just really gave a shit about what they were doing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and they cared about the drinks they were putting across and it's like even when i think back to like starting out it's like you know the ice wasn't what we would call you know the correct ice to be mixing drinks with etc um but i feel like those are the dudes i learned the most from these people that just like really really cared about what they were doing and like they still do and they're still grinding working yeah. at great programs now and like um yeah I mean like that's that's why like I everyone I interview now uh which is odd to be on that side of the the table but like I hire people that have no experience never bartended before and those are the ones that turn out to be some of the strongest
2: like every time
0: same thing yeah. I love
2: hiring people with without a lot of experience, you yeah. know, but just a drive and the right
0: attitude. Yeah. It's just like a hundred percent. I'm just like, I can teach you to bartend mm-hmm. every time, but I cannot teach you to care. Right. So like, if you care, I got you, you're coming with me. And like now they're creating cocktails for the menu and mm-hmm. working along everybody and um, moving up to like lead bartender positions and stuff. And it's like, yeah. Like, yeah. I hope someday like those people then go on, like you said, like to open a pro, like open a bar, run a program or whatever. And it's like, I can't wait to fucking go drink there. <laughs> yeah.
2: So that's the thing too, like in our industry today, there are so many resources that young people have access to that yeah. that I didn't, you know, when I, I started bartending in 1999 and that was like kind of on the tail end of the you know the dark ages of bartending yeah. <laughs> like right i feel really lucky that i started that i'm the age that i am and i i started when i did because i was like right at the the cusp of that transition into like the whole modern day cocktail renaissance but back then in 99 you know we didn't have any of the resources that we have today you know what i mean tales of the cocktail didn't exist yeah. um you know bar five day did not exist the the fact that you could go from being a bartender to perhaps being a brand ambassador for a big spirits company, making six figures or whatever, and living this amazing lifestyle, that wasn't really an opportunity back then. And yeah. now today there are all these opportunities and people that you can learn from and programs that you can participate in. The the community has become so much more, not only large and global, but also tight knit, yeah. you know? And I, that's something that I, I'm constantly trying to like, convey to my younger uh bartenders and employees that like there's a lot of opportunity you just gotta like you know want it and and work hard and go after
0: it Yeah, there's a lot of resources out there i've noticed that too like the last couple days uh like obviously there's been some incredible bartenders and incredible like uh bars that have been popping up here um at different events but like the amount of people i've talked to that are listing like specific bartenders from all over the mm-hmm. world that they want to come see because they're like their program is one of my favorites i'm really stoked on like what the drinks they're mixing lately yeah and they like are going to these events just to see this bartender they've never met before from all over and i'm sure they'll talk and have a good conversation same as like last year was my first time actually like coming to tails for a week and yeah i just like anyone that i was like i thought mm-hmm. i knew because i've like seen them bartend or or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just like went straight up to <laughs> check it. Right. That's awesome.
2: I love it. Um, it, for some reason that reminds me of a story. Um, and you mentioned Sasha Petrosky, who is obviously like, you know, a legend, yeah. uh, in our industry. And so in 2005, um, I was working on, uh, opening up my own bar. Like I was, that was my goal at that point. I was trying to figure out like how to do that, you know? And, uh, uh, one of my mentors at the time, uh, I was uh, already like heavily in the wine business. I was a sommelier and I, uh, got an opportunity to learn a lot from Doug Frost, who is another industry icon Yeah, from Kansas city as well. So, you know, I kind of had access to him, but I was getting ready for this trip to New York in 2005 and I talked to Doug and he goes, he goes, you need to go to two places. you need to go to Flatiron lounge? Right. Um, and I, at the time I didn't know who Julie Reiner was, right. but he's like, go to Flatiron, but then you have to go to this bar called milk and honey. I'm like, okay, cool. Hadn't heard of it. But he, he said, the only way you can get in is by sending a text message. Here's the phone number. Um, so you just have to send a text message in advance and, and that's what you do. And he goes, when you go, um, say hi to Sasha for me. Right. Again, this is all it's like, for me, out of context at the time, I didn't yeah. know who he was. I'm like, sure, great. So I'm with a buddy of mine, and we're sitting at Flatiron Lounge, and I'm already blown away by the cocktails and the the vibe and everything. It was just wonderful. It was already like eye opening, you know. And I'm texting, you know, uh, Ma- uh, Milk and Honey, and uh, kind of you know, you got this like kind of nervous anxiety, you know. It's such a weird process, like yeah. you know that I'll never forget, like trying to get into this bar. How cool. Um, so we got the, the response and it didn't even like the response did not say what time would you like to join us? It just said, be here at 11. Yeah. You know what I mean? am like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and sent the address. I'm like, yeah. this is just the coolest fucking thing ever. So we get there, um, you know, like five minutes ahead of 11 PM and I'll just never forget that first experience of like walking through the door and pulling back that curtain and the flickering candlelight and the smell of like citrus and herbs and spices and mint and things like the aroma of first walking in there. I'll never forget. It, it was just permanently imprinted on my brain. Um, then you get in there and I'm sitting at the table with my, my buddy and uh, the server approaches us very professional, very nice, very kind, um, informed us that there, there's no menu. You know, like, so what would you like? I'm like, wow, I had no idea. So I asked for this cocktail um, that I had in this bar book at my bartending job before uh, called a Frisco. And a real simple drink, like rye whiskey, Benedictine, and lemon juice. But And I didn't really realize that it wasn't that known. You know, it was yeah. just one I found in a book that I thought was good. And I said, um, I was like, can you make a Frisco? And uh, he goes, he kind of looks at me puzzled, and he's like, huh, I don't know that one. I'm going to have to check with Dr. Cocktail. And I said, I'm like, Dr. Cocktail? Who's Dr. Cocktail? And he just goes, Dr. Cocktail. You know, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so then he's gone for like 20 minutes. It takes like forever to get our our drinks, right? But we're enjoying the atmosphere. It's just so unusual. It's just, you know, the whole thing was so such a stimulating experience. So comes back, and I'll never forget how he presented the cocktails on a tray with a flickering... Uh, candle in mm-hmm. the middle of the tray that was like illuminating the drinks. It was just wonderful. You know, he sets the drinks in front of us and it was wonderful. It was great. It was perfect. And then, uh, had a, had a second uh, round of drinks after that. And then I remember seeing the sign in the bathroom with the rules. Yeah. And prior to that, I didn't know about the rules, but the number one rule, the first rule, if you went there, if you remember was no name dropping and no star fucking. Yeah. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm supposed to ask for this guy, Sasha, you know, from Doug Frost, <laughs> but it says no name dropping. Like, ah, this is really uncomfortable. You know, but the server comes back and by now he's like comfortable with us and we're 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 kind of cool. And so I built up like as we were, you know, asking for the check, I built up the the nerve to to ask, you know, yeah. for Sasha. I was like, Man, I hate to do this. I saw your rules. Um, and I'm not trying to like big time anyone. Like I just I was supposed to send a message to Sasha from Doug Frost in Kansas City. And the server looks at me, he's all kinda like cocks his head, all puzzled, and he's like he's like, Really? I said, Yeah, yeah and he goes, What's your name? I said, I'm Ryan, I'm from Kansas City and he extends his hand, he goes, I'm Sasha. <laughs> he was our server the entire time. Yeah. And I had no idea. And then, so we get into this conversation about Doug Frost and wine and all this stuff. And he goes, "Stay here. I'm gonna get you guys another drink. Hang out." And so then he hung out with us after that, and we're chatting. And he was so hospitable. And he told me, going back to the first drink when I asked for that Frisco that he hadn't heard of, he goes, "I want to apologize for how long it took uh, your first round to come out." I'm like, "Man, it's no problem. Like it was everything is amazing. Like my mind is blown." He goes, "No, no, no, no. It was you know it that shouldn't have happened." Um, he goes, we didn't have any Benedictine. And so I ran down the street to <laughs> the liquor store to <laughs> no grab way. a bottle of Benedictine. I'm like, no fucking way. Are you kidding? Like, dude, you don't have to. He goes, no, no, no. And he, was totally, he was so serious about it. He goes, that's what we do. Yeah. And um, I mean, it just, man. Like, even thinking about that story right now and relaying it, it gives me goosebumps to yeah. this day. About the level of care and attention to detail and hospitality and humility and everything was... Um, you know, for a bar like that, that has this air of exclusivity, you know, that so many people have mimicked since then with the whole speakeasy thing, you know, to, you just look beneath the surface a little bit and it's, there's nothing pretentious about it at all. It's, it's really about, truly about hospitality. It's very, very genuine and very humble and as good as he was. Um, and I got to know him a little bit uh after that before he passed away. um we did some events together and I went back there many times um, I still found him to be a very, very genuine and humble person, even considering you know like who he was in the industry and the mystique that surrounded milk yeah. and honey
0: no that's yeah, that's a story i remember i went to uh like i I never made it to milk and honey I moved to New York City in 2011, uh, and but like Attaboy was the first one I went to. It was like this bar back that was, he was genuinely like, uh, well he was a dick, hundred mm-hmm. percent, and he was the one like training me a lot, and uh, but like randomly one night he was like we're gonna go to, we're gonna go get drinks, so we like went to Attaboy no uh, like no entry whatever they said to come back at this time so we went to pdt Mm -hmm. which also like i i read but never been to so we went there had a drink phenomenal then went to attaboy and also yeah just phenomenal (laughs) it's like hard to imagine and and it's funny i don't being there i i really don't go to these bars that often funny enough like it's just i'm like i go from like home to work you know, do the twelve, whatever hours, and then I just like kind of make my way back home, and I'll like maybe stop at a local. But I'm always like, I need to make more of an effort to go check these people that are like that still inspire me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I do go to uh Clover Club and Leyenda are more of the the bars that we visit frequently. Like Leyenda was like my like secret bar with my wife. Like we would always go sit at the window facing away from the bar don't talk to anybody really like the servers were always lovely but like i didn't really i'm i'm you couldn't pay me to walk into a bar and be like hey i bartend you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. couldn't do it so um i met ivy then and and then i did speed rack in new york this past year as a bar back and then of course now we're like i can't go in there without being locked in a beautiful conversation but it was just funny it was like i've been hiding in your bar for mm-hmm. for so many years and like it was it's beautiful and then now to even be there in a different context is even more so but i remember i went to clover club i you know in 2011 like my friends took me over there um and at that time i don't know where anyone else was when they first moved into a new city, but I was broke as shit. Like and, and in New York, yeah, zero dollars. And my friend, uh, my friend and her girlfriend took me over to Clover Club. We walked in there. I was blown away just by like, like you said, like the smells, the the vibe of the bar, the like hearing the ice cracking in the tins. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then I looked at the menu and saw like a twelve dollar cocktail, and I my ass turned out of that bar so fast, <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs> I could not afford a $12 cocktail in any way shape or form. Um but yeah, I mean I I love now to go back there and enjoy like every second of it and then to be like in the same world, you know what I mean, as them and like I've like the same PR company as Miladies. So it's like yeah. where yeah, like just to be on that platform with them is is incredible. Yeah,
2: speaking of Miladies, I just went there for the first time like a month ago. Yeah.
0: Um we we opened the same so week
2: as them. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: same week, same vibe in the sense of like unintentionally like New York City inspired, right? Like they're mm-hmm. kind of more uh, like they recreated the same space of like this like dive and created something beautiful inspired by New York. And like Madame George is a program brand new, but I wanted to pay homage to New York City and mm-hmm. New York and the spirits and cocktails that have been created there. And then we both, unbeknownst to either one of us, put a apple martini variation on the menu called the Big Apple. Of and in the same week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a fun bar, man. I, I loved the energy in there
2: um, when I when I visited uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago. It was fantastic. It was so fun.
0: Yeah, I did the at BCB this year. I did the Fernet booth, uh, and like day one, we were there, and I felt like I hyped myself up. Uh, and it was like me from uh, me, Jack from Mr. Paradise, and Caslin from Donna Cocktail Club, and I was like, I felt like we rocked it, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're doing Fernet things, pouring Fernet like straight into people's mouths, and then I went upstairs the next day to like go say hi, and it's like Izzy from Milady's, and she's literally there's like sixty people standing around the booth, huddled around the booth, and she's literally just on stop on top of the booth, screaming. And blowing that, the, the bubble, bubble gun. Sh- the bubble gun, <laughs> yeah. yeah bubble no, Izzy gun.
2: was, I, I was like mesmerized yeah. by her when, when I was there. Like, my God, she is holding court. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was like, I'm so proud. And also, I feel like <laughs> I did, I thought we did so, like, had the vibe yesterday. And what we did not. Right. She was literally like pouring Fernet down a slice of pizza into someone's mouth <laughs> while like screaming. And I'm just like, okay, that's another level of entertainment.
2: I, I gotta say I haven't seen that one. I haven't yeah. seen the the pizza luge. I mean, it might, I it would, might have to catch on. That's on now. I mean, and if is there anything more New York? Yeah, I mean, using <laughs> a slice for uh, for a luge. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, I'm gonna have to come check out your bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah come
0: through, Valerie. We have we started with 15 gins. We have 76 now, uh, and. Uh, and then, Madam George, we opened in October, and then we're working on uh, an agave and sugarcane distillate program right next door, um, just to have like a little trifecta of cocktails in Midtown Manhattan. I um, was like, I I remember reading Leo Robochek's Nomad book and uh, the forward. Uh, I think it was Wondrich that wrote the forward in that, uh, if I remember correctly. Anyways, he. He's writing about kind of like cocktails in hotel bars for years, Mm -hmm. decades prior, right? And it was like, that's where you went, like in the Jerry Thomas days to get a cocktail in the late, you know, mid-late 1800s. And like, those were the bars that you would go to, hotel bars. And then, like we were talking about like the dark ages of cocktails. I think hotel bars really lost their gumption and like the programs and and i just like i think that like midtown manhattan especially like really lost it because it's like it was just pubs and kind of poorly uh you know poorly mixed drinks and hotel bars and stuff like that and uh like my intention was never to be in midtown obviously like i mm-hmm. live in brooklyn for 13 years 12 years and wanted to you know, always wanna be in like Lower East Side, West Village ish, you know, and it's just opportunities that keep presenting themselves in Midtown brought me back and I was like, Okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, like we're gonna really do it and like I really want people to know that like you can get after the shows, pre show, post show, even if you're just like on your way from, you know, Queens down to Lower East or whatever, like you can stop off in Midtown and find us for well-executed cocktails run by people that like truly give a shit about what they're doing, you know? Right.
2: Yeah. The hotel thing, um, uh, that was, I thought, I thought really interesting as well. Cause I mean, I mean, hotels are beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, opulent and it, they're supposed to embrace hospitality at the highest level. I mean, yeah. you know, you're welcoming people in or to spend days or weeks. Um, so the fact that like the hotel bar culture, Died the way that it did is 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 really unfortunate. But I remember seeing it like the early sparks of it coming back. Yeah. And when I was starting to see some of these like really amazing bars, like really world class level bars, open in hotels in like New York and Chicago and San Francisco and other places. At in Kansas City at the time, it was still like there was. I never would have imagined living there and wanting to go drink at a hotel. Yeah. You know what I mean. And now even there uh, today that's changed now yeah. there are multiple hotel bars, I think probably every major city that are you know that that know what they're doing that yeah are, that are good that have good drinks in a good good
0: environment so that's really it's really cool to see that come back and I remember too, like there was that key time um like maybe like 2016 ish maybe I was like the in that nomad area was obviously the nomad and the program Leo was running, and then the Ace Hotel had it was the one of the, the last programs the Breslin? that yeah the Breslin and the John Dory Oyster Bar yeah. that Sasha and like Tom Richter opened yeah got there great. and um that was I like worked for that family with in the April Bloomfield family for a good couple years and to be able to like yeah walk into those programs mm-hmm. often and uh yeah like my wife ended up bartending at the ace hotel so like that we were there nice. all the time and going back and forth to the john dory and uh and the breslin in that like hotel That was like the top echelon in in that neighborhood with yeah. the nomad there and yeah yeah the the nomad bar was just mind-boggling yeah and it's
2: like over the top you know everything yeah There's, just wild. When, and I'll, you know the last thing I'll say about this, one of the things I learned about learned from the Nomad Bar that blew me away. And I remember, I always like taking inspiration from bars, in, in, especially in New York. New York has a, a soft spot in my heart for me. Um, I always get inspired by things there. I learn things there. And I yeah. take them back and apply to my businesses. But um, the way they maximized their space in the Nomad blew my mind like the little tiny hidden bar underneath the stairs mm-hmm. that they turned into like the like Japanese little cocktail bar yeah. that you didn't know it was there unless they like invited you to come back. And I mean, it was like, it was a third of the size of this hotel room. And I I can only imagine seeing, you know, like just seeing this like little... Crawl space underneath the stairs, like you have probably got storage. You're throwing boxes. Like, how do you turn that into a bar? But they did. Yeah, you know. And then they took a tiny little, like, single restroom on the second floor and turned it into a tiki bar. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that forced me to rethink how I was using my space in the Rieger Hotel and Manifesto and maximize it, get get the the best top use out of every square inch of that space. Yeah,
0: you know that was really impressive. I had a uh... When I first opened Valerie, I had a bartender that was barbacking at the Nomad uh, right before. And like, you know, it's like I'm more of a systematic person. There's a literal spreadsheet of each well at the bars mm-hmm. that is an overhead view of where every bottle goes every day. So that way we can maximize our efficiency by just running off muscle memory and you can then you don't have to break eye contact with the guests you you know exactly where that bottle is going to be because it's there every single shift absolutely um but like i thought i was systematic and then they my friend aaron that worked at the nomad broke down things that they did there to maximize efficiency and just like even you know we make we go through A case of orange peels a day a case of two cases of lemon peels a day and just being able like he explained that they have someone at the nomad that literally preps twists they Mm -hmm. they peel they trim they clean them up they wrap them in a damp paper towel put them in an airtight container and they're good for the whole shift plus the next morning and Mm -hmm. that was just like something as simple as that like we were literally like peeling to order and trimming to order when we first opened so that way everything was you know symmetrical and like even taking that little bit alone i was just like oh i can we can really maximize efficiency those seconds add up yeah over the course of a night yeah yeah
2: well i guess i think that's
0: about it yeah chris is kicking us out yeah (laughs) spear bomb wants their sweet
1: back thanks for joining us today Learn more about the show, our guests from around the industry, how to submit your own conversation, and be sure to subscribe at sothisoneshift.com. This series is produced by Decoding Cocktails.